This week's guest is unlike any other. She blew us away when she shared her dream with us and her brilliant smile and sunny personality. We knew we had to have her on and inspire us all to be unafraid. We paired this guest with a Chikanti coffee from Ethiopia because they're both bright, fun, and full of flavor. Everybody, it's Miss Haley Blondin. Welcome, Haley, to Sips and Stories. An interesting coffee is a product of its environment. The flavors are shaped by the climate, weather, region, how it's prepared, roasted, and brewed, brings out the subtle notes that make it unique. People's stories can be the same. We talk with unique people and dive into what shaped their stories and successes. This is Sipson Stories. This is a podcast where we want to explore people. We love coffee and we think that coffee is beautiful because of so many different factors about it, where it's grown, how it's grown, how what brewing method made it. And so we are going to ask very similar questions about our guests. What is your, what's the terroir, if you will, the environment in which you were grown that made you who you are? Today we have Haley and she, we just recently met Haley and her story, her passion, her calling just really sparked excitement within us and so we just knew she had to be on sips and stories and so Haley you just got back from northern Iraq yes five days ago (laughs) something like that so I think that's just the perfect segue to say what is it that you're venturing onto yeah so this whole last year has been this journey of rediscovering my love for missions and I've always loved the Middle East I've had a fascination for it since I was a little kid just like culturally I just thought it was beautiful I thought it was just like a stunning place I love the language I love Arabic I love Farsi I love all of the different things that make the Middle East um and this last year I felt I I think it was actually a year ago almost to the day I was sitting on my couch. I had just moved into my apartment or my house, and I felt this invitation from God to just follow him anywhere again. And I was like, cool, God, I've already done that. I've already said yes. And that yes, that rededication of I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, led me on this journey of going on multiple trips to the Middle East this last year. I went to Jordan, and then I went to Iraq in the fall, and then Again, this past month, I spent all of a whole month in northern Iraq and just learning how to do life there and making friends. And it was so mind-blowingly cool. I don't even know if that's a word, but it just was so cool to experience life in the Middle East because it's so different from everything that I've ever known. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to try my best to say Iraq and not Iraq. Iraq. <laughs> North Carolina roots really shining in this moment. But yeah. So like, where are you from? Where are you from? So I was born in Berlin, Vermont. Yes. Berlin, Vermont, 
lived there for two years of my life, and then we just started moving further south. But I was raised in North Carolina since I was like seven years old, so. This is going to be a really dumb question, but is there like German influence or just happens to be named Berlin? That's a great question. I think it just happens to be named Berlin. I should know that, shouldn't I? That's completely fine. (laughs) It's a beautiful place, though. I miss it. That's awesome. So where in North Carolina did you grow up? When we first moved here, it was in Greenville. So ECU, that whole scene. And then probably 12 or 13 years ago, we moved to the Raleigh area. And we've been here ever since. So Raleigh is for sure home. That's awesome. Yeah. So in trying to parse out your terroir, right, the environment in which you were grown, let me ask you, what do your parents do? (laughs) So my mom is a cosmetologist. She just recently cut my hair. Yes, she did. (laughs) Oh, what a small world. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mom's a cosmetologist, but she didn't start doing hair until I was, I think, a junior or senior in high school. So before that, she was just a stay-at-home mom. I was homeschooled. I was always with my mom. And then my dad works for Butterball Turkey. (laughs) He makes sure all of the Walmarts and the Sam's Club and everybody has all of their turkey taken care of. Very interesting. <laughs> yes. So you you mentioned that you were homeschooled. So h- how long were you homeschooled? Because I was too. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was homeschooled basically all of my schooling years. I think 8th, 9th, and 10th, I was in a public school setting. But after that, my mom was like, I just love you guys being home. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, I actually learned better in the home environment Mm -hmm. than I did surrounded by all the people. (laughs) Yeah. I like to think, I don't know if this is true, but I like to think we're more independent thinkers than the cultivated masses who think like everyone else. No, I'm kidding. I'm completely (laughs) kidding. I don't feel that way. Maybe a little bit, but not really. That's interesting. I love to point out to David, though, all the like things that he missed out on, like in elementary school years, especially like the assemblies. And I'll talk to people who went to elementary school with me and I'll pull out this song. Kumbaya, Latia, Ashe, Ashe. Everyone knows it, but people who were homeschooled. Yeah, we don't know that. Because they would have these like African bands come in and play these songs. And that was one of them. And Every single year for 12 years of your life, you heard this song, right? Yeah, I just have no idea what you're talking about. No. But it's just funny (laughs) that people are like, oh, so you got to do school from your pajamas at home. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, we got to drink milk out of a bag and we had to stab it with a straw. It's just, you know, people don't make a great case for it, but I know I just don't get it. It's fine. David started public school in eighth grade. Yeah. And then I finished out my years eight through whatever oh uh, yeah yeah the public education really lets you down eight through whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> how many are there whatever it is i don't know <laughs> i was there <laughs> i'll just came a blur <laughs> exactly <laughs> was there like a formative experience that happened to you really anywhere in your life that you think really you look back on and say man this was something that made me who i am today yeah 
Wow. There are so many moments throughout my childhood. Um, I loved my childhood. It was amazing. And I'm so thankful for the way that my parents raised me, Mm. especially just being able to be home and be around my parents and just the way that they raised me. I'm just super thankful. But I think even for specifically what I'm doing with my life now, I was very involved in my church growing up, my churches, just through moving and stuff, very involved and always was, I was just always at church. I was in youth group. I was serving in kids church. I was just always there. And I think being raised in that setting and having access to all the resources that I did and being encouraged in my gifting and my calling really pushed me to do what I'm doing now. I remember when I was like 13, I was at a youth convention. I had been to conventions before. My parents served in youth groups, so I was just always there. I was just a little roadie, Mm. even as a little kid. And I remember when I was 13 years old, I we were in this youth convention, and it was my first year as a youth, and I was like, yes, this is so cool. And like worship had just finished, and everything's like super fun and hype. And Everybody gets back to their seats and they start playing this video about missionaries in China. And I remember being this 13-year-old little girl and they were talking about orphans and how they were saving all of these kids and giving them hope and teaching them to just read and write. And I remember sitting there and I just started crying and I didn't understand why I was crying. And I I remember, though, in that moment, I was like, God, that's what I want to do. I want to teach people. I want people to know you and I'll go anywhere. And it was in that moment that I was like that without even realizing it. In that moment, I was saying yes to whatever God had for me. I was like, I will go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll talk to anyone that you want me to talk to. But I just want to do whatever I can to bring you glory. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Because when you hear, you're like, what, 26? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 26-year-old girl or female, single female, (laughs) about to move to northern Iraq. And you're just like, who is this? Where are her parents? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm saying this as... Somebody whose parents are terrified that of some of the things that we've done um, <laughs> in the past, missions-wise. And it just makes my heart so happy, this leap that you're taking. So what are some of the reactions that you've received? <laughs> um, like you said, I'm 26, single female, just going out and moving to the Middle East by myself. And there's two, most reactions are really drastic. Like one is, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like you're living my dream. I want to do that. Like I live vicariously through your Instagram posts. And then there's other people that are like, you're insane. What are you doing? You're, you might die. I'm like, and so there's just two opposite sides of the spectrum when I tell people what I'm doing. Yeah. (laughs) And it's fun. I love both. Yeah. The little like pat on the shoulder. That's so hard. Yeah. (laughs) Good job. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still laughing at Bethany's reaction, which I I think is the second one that you described, which is, whose child is this? (laughs) Where are her parents? (laughs) Yeah, where are her parents? That's a hilarious way to describe that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Most of the time when I tell people, they, 
first the first thing they ask is what do your parents think I'm like, yeah. they're supportive <laughs> they're scared but they're supportive <laughs> yeah that's for sure yeah. actually your mom was cutting my hair and she was like Haley talked about maybe getting a dog and she said something about like for her protection and then she's like, not that i need protection okay <laughs> just like trying to reassure yeah. her and it, everything's fine and made me laugh thinking about some of the things that we've said to my parents good <laughs> stuff for reassuring yeah <laughs> oh man that's good <laughs> so you just described that experience you had and you said yes that's me that's my yes lord but how did you land specifically on the Middle East? I know you said you always were drawn to it. Is there anything specific? Yeah. Yes and no. This is going to sound really strange probably, but I very vividly, as I'm sure we all do, I very vividly remember when 9-11 happened and just the shift that that brought to just the world and the way that we viewed people. Mm-hmm. And I had this very weird moment. I was what, probably five or six when that all happened. And I remember just like sitting there as a little girl and I was like, man, God loves those people. And I was like, that. thinking about it now, I'm like, that is this very strange response. Mm-hmm. For, for a five years. Yeah, that's so weird. And then it was just like this love for these people that had been like just they're not all bad and I was like man there are so many beautiful and good people and they just don't know Jesus and it was just this stirring throughout my life and then when I I did youth with a mission and there were moments in my school with YWAM where God just kept highlighting the Middle East it was like something that I couldn't get away from and I was like, I don't know when, I don't know how, but God, I want to go. I want to be there. And it was a five-year process before I actually got to even go. Wow. Yeah. We're going to take a quick coffee break. Starting now. <laughs> Sips and Stories is sponsored by Morgan and Perry Law. Based in Fuquay Varina, serving the larger Triangle area. You won't find us in the courtroom. You'll see us reading the fine print of all the contracts that you don't want to read. We love to serve our clients in three main areas, business law, estate planning, and real estate closings. So whether you're starting a new business, writing a will and testament, or closing on the loan to your dream home, we're happy to help assist you to the finish line. Contact our office at 919-584-5293 That's 919-584-5293 for a consultation. David Morgan and Nolan Perry. Find out more at morganperrylaw.com. New from PepsiCo, just in time for summer. Hard water squares. Do you wish the stuff you pour in your mouth was colder? Yeah. Are you sick of your drink being too hot? Only our hard water squares are cold and hard. Patent pending. You can add our new hard water squares to coffee, hot cocoa, tea, really any brown liquid, bourbon, soda, there's probably more. Try hot water cubes in your next drink. Enjoy responsibly. 
Not applicable in every bound liquid, such as 5W30 motor oil, Hershey syrup, tanning oil, or hot Nutella. We are back, and we're back with coffee. And so today, I'm going to let Bethany introduce what coffee we'll be tasting. And I will obnoxiously probably slurp it a little bit, but go All ahead, right. Bethany. So, some of you may or may not know, we run a coffee organization called Chikanti Coffee. And it helps support our nonprofit in Zambia. We are extreme coffee snobs. So <laughs> we have a light roast from Chikandi today. It's from Ethiopia. And normally Ethiopian coffees are from a region called Yergeshef. But this is a coffee from Guji. And it's wow. bougie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've heard Gucci. And I've heard bougie and everything in between. So that's cool. It's also a natural process, which is what David and I are big fans of. So basically, coffees are processed in different ways. Most coffee is a washed process, which means the bean or the seed of the coffee fruit is removed and then washed and then dried. A natural process, if you think of a coffee as like a cherry, which is basically what it is. And so... The seed then dries within the cherry itself, um, and the whole thing dries, and then they remove the seed, and then, yeah. Keep going. Don't let that stop you. That's what <laughs> gives us a natural process, but they tend to be more fruity, fruit-forward, bright, more acidic, really, as well. If we want to see what... Do I have to do the slurp? Well, if... No, I will say... Okay, this isn't just me, but if you can get some of the coffee on all parts of your just mouth and palate, then you will experience everything this coffee has for you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a lot. <laughs> uh, I I think I can do the slurp. <laughs> yeah. Gurgling's one method. Yeah. <laughs> to taste it better when I gurgled versus not gurgled. Really? <laughs> what kind of notes did the gurgle produce for you? Listerine. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like a great note. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's do this. I, I can go first. I made Bethany go first last time. I'm yeah. happy to go first this time. It's still a little warm, so this coffee is going to... More is going to come out of it as it cools down. This and coffee so, in particular is that is true for it. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So ideally we want it to be a little cooler than mm -hmm. it is now. But, and of course I am cheating because this is our coffee, so I know it. But what I like about it is on like the finish, you get this stone fruit, like apricot-y type of note that I love. I, I, I'm a huge fan of stone fruit, just in general, eating them, drinking them, whatever. But then you get some more like, chocolatey, really familiar to coffee, like nutty notes too. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Wow. You got all of that from... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, coffee. Yeah, this tastes exactly like coffee. This is what coffee tastes like. <laughs> okay, funny story though. One time I did a... I used to work as a barista and... I didn't know anything. And we did this coffee training and they were like, we're going to, we're going to do like a coffee tasting thing, whatever. And the guy was like telling me all of the things. And I was like, I don't understand this. I don't know anything. And he was like, so tell me the notes. And I was like, for real? 
And he was like, yeah. And I said, I taste breadsticks. <laughs> yes. Like, he was like, yes, that's exactly. And I was like, for real? And he's <laughs> like, that's exactly what this is. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's true though. You were at a coffee tasting one time and this guy was like, he like took a big sip and he was like, you remember when you were little and you had those little like candied peach rings? That is a note here. And it just blew my mind because it was accurate. But what? yeah, it's good. it gets crazy. There's, kinda... there's a coffee tasting like training and then you can get these like ratings. Like a really fancy restaurant can get uh, Michelin stars. Yeah. The same thing applies to like coffee tasters. And yeah, David wants to be one of yeah, those. It's called he... being a Q taster. And okay. when I grow up, I will be one. <laughs> he thinks he's one now, and I had to constantly <laughs> remind him that, no, you are not. <laughs> it's amazing. I appreciate coffee snobs. They have an understanding and a love that I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> and that is perfect. I love okay. coffee, but I like my espresso machine lattes. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. And so That's a great, reminds me. So if you were a coffee drink, oh. what coffee drink would you be? Um, yeah, probably a vanilla latte. <laughs> That's fair. I like it. Oh, or, or like, I, I'm basic. I don't love the pumpkin spice, mm -hmm. but I am very basic when it comes to my coffee. I like cream and I like sugar, mm -hmm. vanilla, pumpkin spice. I like my lattes. Great answer. <laughs> yeah. So the last time, one of the things that came to mind for Bethany when she was uh, sampling our coffee was like a color. Just so we're going to make everybody take a sip and just say what comes to mind. Is it a flavor? Is it a note? Is it a color? Who knows what? Like breadsticks would be a great answer. Not for this one in particular, but. <laughs> I mean, you would be wrong if you said breadsticks <laughs> this time, but wrong answer. <laughs> but think about that level of. I love you guys are like, just what do you taste? And then as soon as I say it, you're like, wrong. <laughs> just, just shut it down immediately. <laughs> Incorrect. Let me interrupt you right there. That's wrong. <laughs> All right. We'll ask you next, Joe. What do you get from this coffee? I was thinking orange. Like that mm. yeah. kind of came to mind. Mm -hmm. Also, clearly, the farmer was left-handed. I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's trying to sound smart like you did a little again. Yeah, I completely agree with the, <laughs> the left handed with the citrus note, right? Yes, yes, for sure. With a left handed twist, one hundred percent. Yeah, I was actually going to say orange, but I was just trying to think of a fruit because I know it's freaking. There's probably something chocolatey about it too. Yeah, one hundred percent. So the tasting notes of this particular coffee are dried apricot, so orange. Definitely. Or the or mustard, if you will. That's like a sophisticated orange. Sure. We wear yeah. the monocle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. David's really into dried apricots recently, by the way. <laughs> and Was what that relevant? <laughs> <laughs> we brought up apricots. How long okay. did that okay. happen? All right, that's fair. And then it's very floral and green tea. So that's very common. And oh, uh, I get the green tea. Yeah. yeah I, I was going to say it had a tea quality to it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to be wrong. <laughs> you are now in a safe, non-judgmental yeah, zone. Yeah. Okay. And so that is very typical of a Ethiopian coffee. Also for very high altitude coffees. So Ethiopia grows some of the highest altitude coffees. So this one in particular, I think, is 1,900 meters. 
what that equates to in feet, I have no idea. <laughs> but I was but based on seventeen fifty. You're the expert. But yeah, so like Kenya coffees are usually like really acidic and have a savory like tasting notes to them. So each like region highlights something new. So Ethiopians are known to be floral. And since we're going this far into the coffee, I would add that <laughs> the mouthfeel has a medium like mouthfeel. So it's not very thin. It's got a thicker texture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not heavy. No, it's not heavy. Like on the spectrum, if it gets real heavy, we call that chewy, like a chewy mouthfeel. I have never heard this yeah. before about yeah. coffee. We're, like we're a, way, we're like beyond the weeds. We're, we're deep in it. Yeah, we're in <laughs> it. Which is what this podcast is all about. I, yeah. yeah. I think the equivalent of where we're at right now for a person is probably going to Iraq. So, <laughs> Iraq. <laughs> so, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. A question that I wanted to ask, which I interact with a lot of business owners. And so, one of the things that I think is important, maybe when I'm seeing like the landscape or the sample size that I have, a lot of people are facing like things like burnout. They're facing things just feel like they're working hard, but nothing's really getting accomplished. Um, And so for me, like I have to set aside time like just to rest. And from your perspective, I would just be interested in hearing what is your what are your thoughts on that? And like doing something that you feel God has called you to even that you can have burnout, you can overwork it. And have you ever felt anything like that? And if so, what do you do about it? Yeah, I think before, like this whole last year has actually been the Lord teaching me how to rest and how to not burn out. (laughs) Because before I was almost completely operating out of burnout because it was like, I just have to do this. I have Mm -hmm. to, I have to do this. So my supporters see this. And it was a terrible mindset. And I was so tired and I was so frustrated. And there was little to no fruit in things because it was just like out of a striving mentality. And like the Lord has actually been teaching me how to rest through this whole process. This is, it's so weird. It almost, it feels like it doesn't make sense. And the way that the Lord has used my adventure in the Middle East to teach me how to rest. And honestly, the biggest thing is I have learned when to say no mm. because there might be really amazing opportunities and it's oh that's so like in my like wheelhouse or whatever that term is I don't know it it feels like it's so right but it might not be the right thing for right now and so I'm I'm literally just like every time something comes up I'm trying to get into a habit of being like okay God this is amazing but is it what I'm supposed to do? Because I want to be all in on the things that you're saying yes to right now and not get sidetracked by other awesome opportunities and things to do. So like this whole last month even was practicing that literally every day of, okay, we're going to go out and do this, but this is also happening. God, which one do you want me to do? Because they're both amazing and they're both fruitful. So what are you saying? And just doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's really good because we, Dave and I got deep into this podcast about rest and Sabbath. 
those sorts of things. And one of the things that really... Not this podcast, another podcast. <laughs> Correct. And, uh, and one of the things that has stuck with me was the guy said, if you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Yeah. And if you're saying no to something, then you're saying yes to something else. And so out of our yes, what are we saying no to? We get invited to go out with friends. Yes, that sounds fun. Let's do it. But what is that? What are we also saying no to? We're going to say no to spending maybe the night with our kids or whatever it may be. And so that's a really like good point. I think especially we, when we're called to stuff, it just feels, yeah, let's just do it all, right? And so this idea of having to, both are fruitful, but let's, Lord, where do you want us to go? I love that um, concept. Yeah. I see it all the time in a way that I think makes sense to summarize. I heard someone else say, I definitely didn't come up with this, is are you working from a place of love or are you working for love? And I think that's so true when you like think about it, because some people, and I can just tell from how they run their business, how they operate, they are trying to like prove something. Yeah. And it really comes when you boil it down, in my opinion, from a place of fear. Like I'm maybe not going to be successful or maybe I will be a failure or maybe this will happen or that. And it just looks totally different. I think internally when you're saying I have everything I need, Jesus, you are all that I need. So now what am I now inspired to do about that? Yeah. It is a very different mindset and it's people don't use those terms, but I can see that all the time entrepreneurs on both sides. Yeah. So last time we got together, it was before your most recent trip to Northern Iraq. I know part of that trip was kind of like getting clarification of like how you're Board and all of that. Yeah. What were the fruit trip? Oh man. It was so crazy. There, it was probably one of the most, I guess you could say transformational months of my life of we've been talking about with rest of just learning how to settle in. And also I got to do so many things that I have never done before in my life. And for the sake of just protecting people there, I, I can't give too much detail, but there I got to partner with ministries that were that are like ministering to prostitutes and seeing prostitutes come to Jesus and being completely set free and healed mentally, physically, like all of that stuff. And it was like this, um, it like stirred me up so deeply to see how the gospel is actually moving in the Middle East and the way God is actually really after hearts. Because I think a lot of times we think about the Middle East and other parts in Asia and we're like, that's really hard to do. That's a really hard place to get to and tell people about Jesus. That's near impossible. Like you're lucky if you see one person come to Jesus in however many years of living there. And I was surrounded by so many people that are like, it's normal to see people come to Jesus. Mm. And I was like this, it was so different from my other experiences and to be able to like see that. And it just gave me so much hope for going there. And yes, God, this is actually really what I burned for. And it was things that I was like, I had never thought I would do that. 
I never thought, oh, I'll go to the Middle East and minister to prostitutes. I thought it was, it just wasn't on my mind. And to be able to see that and witness the way the gospel is advancing and the kingdom is growing in the Middle East, I was like, God, yes, a thousand times yes, I'll be here. Even if it is just for a couple years, like I'm all in. And it gave me so much peace and so much hope for the years to come of living over there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. So when is the departure? The official. Oh, man. <laughs> the plan is in May. Okay. It's a great month. It's my birthday month. Hey, there you go. Have a birthday. <laughs> um, I'm going to move to Iraq. <laughs> um, but there... It might be later. I might move in like June or late June or July. So just waiting because there's things with like visas and getting support together and all that stuff. So it depends on like the logistical side, but the plan is May. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. What is like something that you would tell the people who are like, man, I'm living out. You're living out. I'm living vicariously through you. Yeah. What's something that you would tell them that would like, Gosh. I think the biggest thing is if you feel something, if you're burning for something and it's, you're probably burning for something for a reason. <laughs> mm -hmm. So ask God how to practically walk that out. Even if like not everyone can or should maybe move across the world at a certain, it's different. But just ask God how to do it with where you're at in your life. Like, I'm single. <laughs> I can go and do what I want when I want to a degree. And so I have more of that freedom to just be like, yeah, I'll pick up my life and I'll move it. But I have mom friends that are like, man, I wanted, I've always dreamed of doing what you're doing. And I'm like, okay, how can you do that here with your life now? How with your four kids can you find a way to burn for this maybe it's just through intercession and starting a prayer group for women in the middle east or maybe it's through taking a trip once a year just finding ways to do that whatever it is just find a way to do it however that looks in your life yeah i love that practical steps i saw this uh visual the other day i was like goal person like way up high and then this person like down at the bottom and there's like these big giant staircases or these little baby steps yeah. and things seem, seem impossible when we think we have to make these giant leaps and one of the things that David and I are always encouraging people is it's just really small steps yeah it seems like we've done this like really big giant leap but in reality it's the day-to-day -day small steps yeah that have made it possible. This is something that we have talked a lot about with the youth of our church. And I think some people who, going back to the vicarious living through you question, they're really afraid to do what you've done in that to tell God, yes, I'll go anywhere. Yeah. Because they're scared of where God might take them. But what I would say to those people, and I'll you know be very curious to hear your thoughts, is that whatever he says is something that's going to 
fulfill you and satisfy you way more than what you could come up with that same goal. Yeah. So it may not be what you expect, but it'll be so much more satisfying and fulfilling. I don't know if I could say it another way, but does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that's been like what I've been thinking about for the last year. This There was always this underlying like desire to do this, but it wasn't like this last minute decision of, yeah, I'm going to move to the Middle East. It was like day after day of just seeking God and asking him what was next and asking him for his heart. And then it led me. It was the baby steps that led me to this decision. It was the little yeses and the little no's that you're like, this seems silly, but it's like actually drawing you closer and closer to God's heart for what he has for you. And I think you're right. I think a lot of times we're the cost is like really big. It's really high. It is costly to follow Jesus, but there is so much satisfaction mm-hmm. in doing it. I, my first trip to Northern Iraq, I remember I came back and I was like, I have never, and it wasn't necessarily the things that I was doing, but just being able to be there. I was like, I have never felt more connected to Jesus because I'm, walking in obedience and there's so much joy in it yeah it's Iraq it can be scary but there was so much joy and there was so much peace because the safest place that you can be is in the will of the Lord mm-hmm. so whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to do that's the safest place to be and I I think to you know maybe try and verbalize my thought from before too is people are so scared that the Lord is going to tell them to do something that they hate. (laughs) And I don't think that's ever the case. Do you feel like this is obviously it's a sacrifice to live in Iraq, of course. So I would never say otherwise, but just from everything that I've heard you talk about, that's not the vibe that I'm getting that as if you're throwing (laughs) your life away for the Lord. That's how some people like look at it. Yeah. And I just don't think that's ever the case when you're doing that. Literally, it is the most joyful. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm sad. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss my family. Of course. I'm gonna miss my friends. There's gonna be things about my day-to-day life that are gonna be different. But the joy of saying yes to Jesus is just it's so good. It always everything. Yeah. It's like of course oh man, I could just go on that little (laughs) tangent. But like when you Once you've tasted and you've seen, you don't want to go back. And I tasted and I saw and I was like, God, I'm all in. uh, Anywhere, anything, even if it's America, I'll stay. I just want to burn for Jesus. And so once you taste and see, you're ruined for anything else. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so cool to see, like, of course, I don't know this. But I feel like you are just the best version of Haley when you're doing that. <laughs> and it just reminds me of coffee. When it's that perfect environment, it's just Someone. shines. And just, wow, how is this even possible that it, a little bean tastes like this? And so yeah. it's the kind of the same thing. And that's why, that's the passion in us that inspired this podcast was we want to see people who are super excited about what they're doing. Learning like, for something. Yeah. yeah. You know, what, whatever that may be. Yeah. It's, yeah. They are the most... Bethany Morgan that Bethany could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> 
Love it. That's so exciting. I love to hear that. Before we go, one question I want to ask. Tell us about a time where you've just, you failed and you thought, looking back on it, maybe it was helpful, but you're just like, wow, not everyone gets it right all the time. Because I think people are in the position, again, those people who are living vicariously. And I tried that and it didn't go well. So I, I know that's not for me. What would you say to those folks? Well, I've been leading worship for probably like almost 15 years, I think. Wow. And I remember most of my life, people were like, oh, I just see this over you and you're going to be, it's going to look like this. And it was very big, large scale things that people were saying about music and leading and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, it's going to look like this. So I have to just pursue that. And bless younger Haley's heart. She's so precious. (laughs) And I started pursuing things that made sense in a worldly perspective of, yeah, of course you should stay there where you're surrounded by all of these incredible, like some big name worship leaders where they're, Mm -hmm. you're leading with them, they're pouring into you and you're leading on a weekly basis in front of a thousand to 2000 people. Like you should obviously stay there. And so I did that because that's what made sense in the moment of, yeah, But I realized recently, actually, I was like, wait, God never said to do that. Mm. Like, also, I don't have to make anything happen. If he wants it to happen, I just have to say yes and follow him. And Mm -hmm. he'll make things happen. He'll, if it was in his will for me to have a record deal, he would give me a record deal, things like that. And I was pursuing that out of my own strength and... I felt the Lord just start to redirect me and I went through a season of just like fixing my eyes back on him. I was like, you know what? Everything else doesn't matter. I'm just going to look at you, Jesus. And Mm -hmm. if opportunities come, I'll ask you if it's right. And if it's not, I'll just try to keep going and pressing into you. And that sounds really sad and boring. And it wasn't at all. It was the most (laughs) fun season. I make that sound like it was like, okay, God, I'll suffer. But it was a really sweet season of just refocusing back on God and asking him what was actually his will, what was his desire. But yeah, I spent probably almost three years doing something that God never said to do because I thought it made sense. And I honestly, like, if that's happening, just... This sounds so ethereal, but just focus back on Jesus. Just get back on track with him and say, all right, God, that wasn't what you asked. You're still God. You're still on the throne. You're still good. So I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on pressing in and you're going to show me where I need to go. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, we need to wrap up, but it just reminds me so much of I've had this kind of revelation that I've been just meditating on recently and it's out of psalms 23 and like i realized that because i'm a very like capable and strong-willed person and i can attest (laughs) and i'm very passionate yeah that i have a tendency to want to be my own shepherd yeah and i can make it across the like terrain unscathed and i can get from like point a to point b and that's like Great. I can do it on my own. But this idea that um, a sheep 
without a shepherd doesn't assume the role of a shepherd. It's just a lost (laughs) sheep. And we think that we've become, you know, shepherd to ourselves. And really what we just really need to do is yield. And he will lead us to green pastures and still waters that like we literally could never find on our own. And just because we can get from point A to point B doesn't mean that there's going to be joy or peace or like victory in your life. And so just this idea of like yielding has become like really big for both of us, but like in particular, because I want control. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I love that point of, yeah, we're doing like the right steps or it seems like it. Yeah. But are we actually yielded to the Holy Spirit and to what the Father for us. Yeah. It's a beautiful analogy to me because <clears throat> you have to come and you have to be still in front of the shepherd and allow him to shear off some things because otherwise it just keeps adding on and adding on and it gets heavier and heavier, but you just have to come and be still. Yeah. And that's just awesome to me. The second thing is funny, just <laughs> what you talked about. It's not like a lost sheep goes off and it's, oh, you're being really good. You just got promoted to shepherd. Like <laughs> lost sheep don't become shepherds. Yeah. They just are even more lost sheep. They're just lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So if somebody wanted to live vicariously through you, like how could somebody get involved in what you're doing? Yeah. So the best way the most direct way would probably be through my Instagram, Haley Blondin, H-A-I-L-E-Y-B-L-O-N-D-I-N-N. And there's links to all of the things for newsletters so you can see a little bit of a closer up look of what I'm doing. And yeah, just follow me there and see what's happening. Awesome. And I think you can also follow Light a Candle. Yes, Light um, a Candle. Uh, I after meeting Haley, started following them myself and just um, not just in the Middle East, but all over the world doing really incredible things for Jesus. Yeah. And I would just encourage everybody, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, that's amazing, then that probably means that you should be a giver (laughs) and respond uh, to Haley because we were just blown away by her story. And if you feel the same way, then uh, that'll be very easy to do. And the only way that she can do what she does is by people like everyday people, like me and you, like the people who are listening, become involved. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And and it's not just Haley need it's not just Haley needs financial support. It is an opportunity for us as believers to sow a seed into what Haley's doing and yeah. there's fruit out of that. Well Haley, we have really enjoyed talking to you today, getting to know you better. And so thank you for coming on Sips and Stories <laughs> and spilling the beans. Oh, (laughs) I like that. Right? right? (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sips and Stories with David and Bethany Morgan. This podcast was produced by Podcast Carry. Please consider leaving us a review at Apple Podcasts and follow the show on social media at Sips and Stories Podcasts.